So Marfa is a small town in West Texas. It's been known since the 70s as an artist colony and became a destination for tourists from the cities and the coasts. But like most American cities, it also has a history of racism and segregation. The train tracks literally separate the two sides of Marfa. The north side, which is where the white people lived, is all surrounding the main street, and the south side is where the Latinos lived. On that south side of Marfa, there's this old school. It's a school where teachers once paddled Latino students for speaking Spanish. Now, some of those same students grandparents and retirees in their 80s are working to save that long-shuttered, segregated Blackwell school. And there it is! Yes, a Spanish We got Spanish So in 2007, several former students at the Blackwell School in Marfa organized a reunion at their old campus. In 1954, a year before Giant arrived in Marfa, students at Blackwell were forced to bury their Spanish language. And so as a part of the reunion, they staged this unearthing of Mr. Spanish, where they buried a Spanish dictionary in a little coffin, and then they dug it up and held it up triumphantly and said, you know, we have our Spanish and cheered. My dad's passion for that probably is the reason why I'm the way that I am today, that I'm proud of who I am, that I speak Spanish, that I'm not ashamed of it, that I encourage it. And it was a really celebratory moment for a lot of them. That's LA Times Texas Bureau Chief Molly Hennessy Fisk. She's been documenting the push by former Blackwell students to make their segregated school a national heritage site. I'm Gustavo Arellano, and you're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times, It's Friday, February 18th, 2022. Molly, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me. So the school site in Marfa, when was it built and how did it earn its reputation? In 1909, Blackwell was built on the Latino side of town south of the railroad tracks and it offered classes from first to eighth grade Former students remember using secondhand books and sports equipment from Marfa Elementary, the school for white students. Marfa High was technically integrated, but in the days before Brown versus Board of Education, the 1954 Supreme Court decision that ended legal segregation in schools, it would take years for Marfa officials to enforce Brown and another landmark Supreme Court ruling, Hernandez versus Texas, which established that the Constitution's 14th Amendment protects the civil rights of all racial or ethnic minorities, not just Black Americans. So a lot of the Latino students at the Blackwell School were subject to segregation and racism. In one case, teachers even held a ceremony banning students from speaking their native language, Spanish. So how did the ceremony actually go? Yeah, so it was called Burying Mr. Spanish. And Jessie Silva was there, and she was a pretty little kid at the time, six years old, but she remembers a lot of it, and she described it to me. 
I was in the first grade. One of the other teachers came into our classroom and wrote the word Spanish on the blackboard. So basically, the teachers went around and told the kids to write down, I will not speak Spanish and, and other things like that on little slips of paper. She collected them and then they marched us all out to the where the flagpole was. And they staged this little mock funeral where they had a little box, like a coffin, and they put all the slips of paper inside it and buried them. They already had a hole dug in, and they had this box. They put every student's papers in that box and said that we had all voted to do away with Spanish language. Therefore, we were burying Mr. Spanish, and we were no longer allowed to speak Spanish in school. They wanted them not to speak Spanish, and they told them, if you do, you're going to get punished. And the punishment was they would get paddled or spanked with this wooden paddle. We were disciplined on both sides of the street. I couldn't speak to my grandmother in English because she would scold me. How did the students feel about that ceremony at the time that they were doing it? Well, the students I talked to, like Jesse Silva, said that it was kind of shaming and they felt like their power, their agency, their heritage was being taken away from them and there was nothing they could really do. I saw the faces of the other students and they were all with their eyes lowered to the ground. I was just six years old, I was just little nobody. But the bigger students who understood it better than I did, I saw it in their face. And I learned about racism here in Marfa. It wasn't a good thing to learn, but I learned about it. We'll be right back. So Molly, before the break, you were talking about the Blackwell School in Marfa and how it was a school where mostly Latino kids attended and were subjugated to segregation in practice, if not the law. What else should we know about Marfa? So Marfa was also made famous by the 1956 Texas film Giant, starring James Dean, Rock Hudson, and Elizabeth Taylor. When are you going to get married, Jen? Don't you need somebody to help you with this kind of responsibility? It's a family saga about a Texas family. Money isn't old, you know, Jen. <laughs> Not when you got it. But it also really gets into segregation and what was going on, in particular in the Southwest at the time, because the son of the main family marries a Mexican-American Latina woman, and that becomes a part of the plot. At the time, in Texas, Latinos were technically considered white. There was this Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo that had ended the Mexican-American War years earlier that said all the Latinos in Texas were supposed to be considered white, but in practice, they were still segregated. So there was this history of segregation in Marfa that went beyond just the Blackwell School. When Blackwell sports teams traveled to compete, the restaurants and motels wouldn't serve them. I remember seeing signs at restaurants, no blacks or Mexicans allowed. I remember being told you can't go there because it's an Anglo restaurant. When their families went to the movie theater in town, they had to sit in the balcony. We tried to go to the theater and we, the Hispanics would be seated in one section and the Anglos in another. The Catholic churches were separate. There was one church for Latino worshipers and another one for white folks. When there were funerals, they had separate sides of the cemetery for Latinos and white folks that were separated by a barbed wire fence, and that fence still stands there today. We had one church for the Hispanics and another church for the Anglos. We couldn't attend the Anglo church, but there were never any squabbles about that. 
it was understood. So Molly, for a place that has so many painful memories for former students, then why are they trying to save the Blackwell School? Unlike segregated schools for Black students, segregated schools for Latino students haven't been designated National Historic Sites, which would make them part of the National Park System. And that comes along with an increase in federal funding, and then they get staffing and draw more tourists. So some of the former students, including Silva, are hoping to change that. But Marva has changed a lot, too, from when you were a kid, right? Not too much. Oh, really? Mm -mm. Not too much. Or maybe I've grown. The people here are basically the same. We have a new culture of people, as you know, they call them millenniums or whatever. But I think they're the ones that are keeping Marfa alive. Mm -hmm. The tourism is keeping Marfa alive. Okay, so those former students want to make the Blackwell School a historic site so people can learn about how Latinos experience school segregation too. And they've been holding events like that unbearing of the Spanish dictionary so they could bring attention to their cause. But who else is supporting their campaign? That's really interesting because we've seen bipartisan effort to save the school. The bill that's pending in the Senate right now, it's already passed the House. The bill is sponsored by Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn, but it's co-sponsored by California's first Latino senator, Senator Alex Padilla. So the Senate's expected to pass the legislation that would turn Blackwell into the first um, national park of its kind. The House passed it in December. And when they did, uh, Democrat Representative Teresa Legere Fernandez spoke about attending a similar segregated school there in New Mexico. Madam Speaker, I attended a school that was likewise in its history segregated, where Hispanos attended school on one side of the town and all others on the other side. This is simply part of our history, and we must recognize it and understand it. So I talked to Senator Padilla about what it was like when he was growing up attending public school in the San Fernando Valley. He's 48, so when he was going to elementary school and high school, they were still integrating through busing. And he remembers what he realized when he was traveling with his school team to play baseball against other schools in the region. Noticing the difference in quality of facilities, the quality of life in different neighborhoods compared to my own that opened my eyes to the inequities that still existed years after integration of schools. And he said that his teachers never punished him for speaking Spanish in the Valley in Southern California, but he had talked to other lawmakers. Whether it's uh, Congressman Tony Cardenas, same neighborhood, same high school, current city council president in Los Angeles, Maria Martinez, same community, same high school who said that they were even at the same schools that he had attended just a couple years earlier. They shared with me and they shared publicly that when they were in school, yes, they were not just discouraged, sometimes disciplined if they spoke Spanish. So uh, not growing up with the same uh, ability to speak Spanish, it it was a different experience. But I think the world now knows the value of speaking more than one language. So this spring is the 75th anniversary of Mendez et al. versus Westminster. That was a lawsuit by Mexican parents in Orange County that successfully desegregated schools for Latinos in California. 
It ended up being a precursor, sort of, to the way more famous Brown versus Board of Education Supreme Court case. But while Brown is taught nationwide, Mendes et al. still really isn't that well known. So for a lot of the people that I talk to about this, it's not just about raising awareness about the history, it's about changing the practices. It hurt a lot of families and a lot of communities there and throughout Texas and throughout the country. It was very intentional. And like I said, from that personal perspective, if you suppress language, suppress the culture, you suppress identity. More after the break. Welcome back. So Molly, it's just such an incredible change from the days of the Blackwell School. And even, you know, going into the 70s, I also had family members who were punished for speaking Spanish at school. But Molly, what did some of the people that you talked to make of this cultural shift? Yeah, so we've seen that reversal in California where bilingual education went from being banned to that ban getting repealed. And then recently, 72% of California voters supported that. We've seen dual language schools are growing in popularity. A lot of them have wait lists filled with parents taking advantage of school choice and wanting their kids to be bilingual. There's dual language immersion programs that have grown in the last few years from a few hundred to a thousand or more nationwide, with California and Texas actually leading the way. The people that I talk to, you know, they're grandparents now and they talk about how their children and their grandchildren are coming to them saying they want to speak Spanish, either to speak it better or to learn it, having not learned it growing up, that some of them say it's a real advantage at work that people ask them to translate things, even if it isn't a part of their job and they just see it as a real asset. I have two sons, both born in California. One of them called me one day, wanted me to teach him Spanish because the place that he worked had a lot of Hispanic people and he needed to, to communicate with them. They both understand it and they speak it every once in a while. The thing is that no matter what was done to us here at Blackwell, most of us rose above that. Most of us didn't let that hold us back. We went on, graduated, and there's a lot of students that are professional in the profession, doctors, FBI, whatever, because we didn't let that hold us down. We were much too strong to let that keep us down. Molly, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Next week, avocado wars, vaccination exemption letters, and more random randomness. Shannon Lynn was the jefa of this episode. This show is also produced by Denise Guerra, Ashley Brown, Kasha Brasalian, and Angel Carreras. 
Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow the times on whatever platform you use. I'm Gustavo Arellano. We'll be back next week with all the news and this madre. Gracias.